Hi there, folks, and welcome to episode 17 of Nature Therapy Online. So today I've got a special treat for you. I'm going to be interviewing a guy whose um, who's work with ecotherapy has really inspired my own. So um, several years ago, I went to an introductory course in Edinburgh. It was a weekend retreat on ecotherapy and it was the first that I'd ever done, um, first work I'd ever done with ecotherapy, the first exploration. Um, and it was with this wonderful guy called Alistair Taylor, who's based in Sydney. Um, it's his course, it's his prana model that he works from. And if it wasn't for Alistair's incredible work, um, I'm not sure I would be an ecotherapist now. So I just want to say, first of all, thank you. And Hello and welcome, Alistair. How are you today? G'day, Steve. I'm great. Great, great. Marvellous. And thanks a lot for being here, Alistair. I really appreciate it. So You're very welcome. Great, great. So, um, so great. Yeah, I was wondering if um, you could tell us a little bit about your work with uh, with prana ecotherapy, Alistair, and maybe what it stands for and, and what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, the word prana may sound familiar to some people, especially those who've done yoga or looked at Indian spirituality or medicine. I believe in uh, Sanskrit. It is equivalent to like the breath or the life force. And um, I didn't select that name because of that meaning. I was uh, sitting by a waterfall in the Scottish Highlands five years ago, trying to work out what I would call this methodology I'd developed. And I thought, what is it? And out came these words, positive reflection and association with nature awareness. So like um, looking into nature as a mirror for ourselves and seeing lots of positives. So that's the reflection and association, like understanding what the connections are between us and nature and picking the positives that we want to live that nature shows us with nature awareness. So that means that positive reflection and association happen when we're really aware of uh, nature around us and within us. And when I kind of wrote that out as an acronym, I was like, well, hey, that's a cool word, prana. Um, because actually this ecotherapy does connect us with our prana, with our life force. Uh, breath is very important, as I'm, we may touch on later in this interview. So you know, the, the, the life force, the strength to live, the tenacity, the joy, the capacity to take on whatever comes to us in life um, is derived from the power of nature. That's lovely. I, and it's such a great explanation, Alistair. I love the connection with the breath as well, because, you know, for, for me, you know, that was where my uh, journey with ecotherapy started, actually, with 
practicing mindfulness outdoors. And before I even knew the word ecotherapy, that uh, that's how it kind of came to me. So it seems really apt. And I think, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, you've given a really good explanation of of your own model of ecotherapy there so and you know the question i'm going to ask is one that i i always ask ecotherapists when i interview them but i appreciate that it's not that easy to answer even though it should be so i mean what how would you define ecotherapy if you would to somebody who'd never heard of it before yeah um ecotherapy is a relatively new term I think I, I coined it for myself. Um, I can't remember whether it was before the prana word came to me or not, but my, my nine-step methodology, the prana method, um, is a modality of ecotherapy. And so th the therapy part is obviously something that uh, empowers us to be healthy, that, that heals, and that also sustains our well-being doesn't just make us better in the short term it's something that sustains our well-being that's what therapy is to me and uh like if you go to a physiotherapist um it's all about the physio the physiological side of things it's the body so the physio kind of tests us out gives us a few exercises to do but it's not like you can then say cheerio 20 minutes later the physiotherapist you better you've got to go home <laughs> and do all those exercises with all those giant rubber bands or whatever they give you you know um so it's an ongoing process uh well-being and ecotherapy is a very pleasurable way of keeping well mm. so the eco bit is the ecological factor the ecosystem of which we're all a part uh, but we tend to forget sometimes we humans and so this is where ecotherapy, in my view, is uh, about two things primarily always with nature as the, the therapist or the co-therapist. So when I work with clients, I'm working therapeutically with them, but nature's really working with us as well and can't be left out in ecotherapy. So that's the first thing. Mm. And... Um, the second part of it is that we um, have a positive relationship with nature in that we, we give back to it. So it's not like we go down to our local beauty spot, our local green space and do some beautiful ecotherapy exercises, then leave our litter or don't put yeah. out our fire or whatever. Um, it goes two ways. You can't have healthy people without a healthy planet. Yeah. Um, so while we're very indebted to nature for, for giving us life um, that we all want to hang on to and, and crave to improve and whatever, enjoy more. Um, nature has a lot to teach us there actually. So part of ecotherapy is that nature um, is a set of ecosystems that go, that, that works towards wholeness and balance. Mm. You've, or sometimes homeostasis, um, a sustainable way of being where life can continue indefinitely so when nature does that and we tune into it it is very very powerful uh, for example in the morning um you know wild nature particularly uh, has a way of of waking up that might be different to what a lot of us humans are used to so 
what does a little bird do in a tree when when the the sky becomes light and the sunrise is coming it sings it sings it may ruffle its feathers but the first thing it does is it starts to sing and it doesn't say, oh, God, the alarm's gone off. I don't want to get up. Oh, I'm going to drag myself up. Oh, I'm going to be late. Oh, why am I doing this in my life? I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm so depressed. I hate my life. It sucks. I hope there's no bears out there doing that anyway. It sings. Mm. Do you know where I'm sitting now is known as Sydney. It's a city of five million people. I'm in one of the inner suburbs. The people who lived here originally, we know were called the Gadigal people, the yeah. Aboriginal people of this area. And the very first British colonists that came wrote down a lot of what they observed. And one observation uh, that they observed around Aboriginal people was that at dawn, the people would sing. Wow. They'd make these noises which the, the writers, the colonial writers, couldn't quite describe. It's a shame they didn't have sound equipment. The people would sing up the dawn along with the birds. Mm. Beautiful. You yeah. know. Absolutely beautiful. And, and also, you know, the, it, it's really interesting how, you know, the West is, is really only just waking up to this connection with nature you know in a, in, a, in a modern context at least you know the the capitalist west of you like you know waking up to how important things are and you know important our environment is you know to to you know as you say like uh, our own sustainability and also our, our own well-being and yet you know um it's taken us so long to go around in such big circles and get to and, and get to this point that you know you know other people in you know indigenous cultures have you know been aware of since you know since they were there you know absolutely um you know indigenous cultures i probably don't have words for ecotherapy because that was life mm -hmm. and yes there were healing traditions and such like but that that was life it was the the healthy uh, homeostasis. Um, obviously, when cultures and civilizations collide, there's great disruption, uh, as, that's what happened in Australia. But um, yeah, I think people are valuing nature more for mental health. That's been a big thing. I've seen a shift in that. Yeah. Um, I felt that maybe eight or nine years ago, when I first started doing this work with other people, I've been doing it with myself for over 20 years, um, but yeah, with other people, I, I really had to, I felt huff and puff a bit and really argue the case as mm. to why taking people out into nature, uh, made them healthier, mm. was mm. better for their well being. And it's been a long grind to convince health authorities and such like that this is the case, but I've noticed I went through, I did a search for for something and I put ecotherapy into the search engine and all these websites came up, ecotherapy this and ecotherapy that. Now, that was not the case five years ago mm. when I started my social enterprise, Earth for Life, which did ecotherapy programs in Scotland. And a lot of these sites are based in the UK, actually. So I think you guys have, uh, in the Western world, you guys are picking it up real fast, which is good. And I'm glad it's a term that's 
become popular too. I think it's a term that can get through to people. Well, that's thanks to people like you for actually going against the the grain and doing it, you know. And I mean, I've I've noticed, and and it really surprised me actually, you know. Um, I mean, it's been you know a couple of years since I've been practicing ecotherapy and and, and running groups, but I was really surprised by the positive reactions. I am yet to have that kind of conversation with someone, and I was all geared up for it. I was all geared up for people going oh, here's this guy doing all this weird hippie stuff, you know, like, what are you talking about going out and being in nature makes you feel good? And every person I've spoken to about it has had a positive response. And every mental health organization I spoke, I spoke to about it, you know, I finished my training and I got in contact with, um, you know, two, two uh, mental health organizations in Edinburgh expecting to be ignored. And they both got back to me within a day saying, this sounds great. Will you come along and run some groups? So it's not what I was expecting. And I think, you know, there is a shift there. And I think it's, it, it's amazing. And I suppose that leads me on to like, a, you know, something I was quite curious about because you know you um were doing a lot of your own ecotherapy work and 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 running groups and courses and and your earth for life organization over here in scotland to begin with and now you're based over in sydney australia so um how different or you know obviously you know the the earth is the earth and you know there are ecotherapy practices that are relevant wherever you are you know um, but are there any differences, you know, do practice in ecotherapy in, in such different climates and places in the world? I'm curious about that. Yeah, well, you know, I think I see it in different parts of the world. And, uh, yeah, like you say, it's one earth. Um, so and we're humans, so we all can have a fantastic relationship with the earth, no matter what environment or climate or ecosystem we live in. Mm. Um, each one has its peculiarities. So, you know, out here, um, I guess there's a couple of things. There's two main things where there's a, a diversity or a difference, say, let's say between Australia and Scotland. So first of all, there's a physical difference. Mm-hmm. So that means obviously the climate's a bit different, um, generally speaking. So, yeah, where I'm working on the kind of southeastern coastal area of Australia, uh, it's a big country, so there's a lot of variation in climate and weather massively. And, um, you know, uh, what I'm looking at in Scotland is if people have got enough warm weather gear and waterproof footwear. Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing I'm looking at, you know, because you've got to have a lot of uh, protection from the cold and wet, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Australia, yeah. it can be cold and wet. But what I'm looking for more um, when I'm working with clients, particularly come around late November, early December, when it really starts to heat up mm. around Sydney is, is how do we do good work and, uh, and it's safe and healthy. So that might mean doing work early in the morning or doing work, you know, late afternoon into evening when it's cooled down a bit and it's not too brutal mm. uh, in terms of heat. So that's one. Uh, yeah, and in Scotland it was great. I was just so often we'd go out into the forest with ecotherapy groups and we'd light a fire. Mm. Now, fire is a fantastic thing for humans. It, yes, it keeps us warm, which is great. We can cook on it and we can do all these things around a fire. And that includes the making of the fire that are very therapeutic and very good for group bonding. Mm. 
it's a very primal thing for humans to circle up around a fire. Beautiful. So that was a core thing in a lot of the group ecotherapy I did in Scotland. Now here in Australia, um, you know, since there have been humans here, fire has been really important. Um, but again, in the warm months, uh, it may be the case that fires outdoors are totally banned. Okay. So we have to be very, very careful sometimes about fire safety. Um, you've probably heard about the bushfires last well, summer. You know? yeah, so, yeah. yeah we, we need to be respectful of that. And yeah, if I'm risk assessing something now, look in Scotland, I could put my hand under a hollow log or in a hollow log and I'd be all right, you know. Whereas mm -hmm. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that here. No. Because of snakes and spiders and stuff. Mm. You know, that's the reality. You know, we see those things. And and it's not like so scary and so dangerous that we can't then go out. We just need to respect the ecosystem, respect the beings that are already here, respect the conditions. Mm -hmm. So there's some of the physical factors. Um, now, there are also cultural factors, which I find very interesting. Mm -hmm. These are important to me in ecotherapy, and it's probably got to do with my background but it's something I really love blending together. And we were talking about in the West, you know, we're just starting to awaken to the power, to the value of nature, to the need for a healthy relationship with nature. Our ancestors in the West were really good at that mm. when you go back far enough, especially going back a thousand and more years. Yeah. Uh, people really depended on living off the land and had certain rhythms and routines and, um, you know, lived with a closeness to nature that's pretty hard for us to imagine, a lot of us. So um, I was born in Australia, but I'm of uh, Scottish heritage. My mother's Scottish and my father's side also, uh, Highland Scots. So I, in Scotland, I, I learned the Gaelic language. I was very interested in the Gaelic folklore around nature, around herbal medicine and something we might clumsily call shamanism or whatever. Mm. Uh, the nature poetry is absolutely superb. Praising nature for its own beauty, its own sake is a very Gaelic thing to do. And that really became part of the work that I shared with people, whether that was sharing my knowledge of traditional medicine or wild foods or telling stories by the fire that brought us in touch with that ancestral wisdom that was so bound up in nature. Um, and uh, yeah, not long before I, I left the UK to come back here to Australia, I um, developed with um, a government agency i developed a gaelic language wild food foraging education pack for wow. gaelic speaking school children that's amazing so yeah there was a beautiful weaving together of nature of the great knowledge and esteem that nature was held in by ancestral cultures in britain and scottish gaelic culture isn't the only one you know, extant ones, Welsh culture has it richly. If you go back far enough, the Anglo-Saxon culture is fantastic. The nature connection and stuff, it's really magical. So that's important. Now, though I was born here in Sydney, Australia, I don't have any Aboriginal ancestors and I wasn't born into any Aboriginal heritage. Mm. 
So I'm in a different position, uh, unlike Scotland, where I left as a tradition bearer of the culture. I, I'm not that here. And so I've had to go out with Aboriginal elders on the land, even in urban green spaces in Sydney, and start to learn the way they look at things and the way their ancestors interacted with nature on a physical level, food, materials, and on a spiritual level with their dream time and with their ceremonies. And uh, so, yeah, it's like back to square one in a way. And um, I'm learning a bit of Aboriginal language and I've met some beautiful elders of different Aboriginal tribes who are willing to teach non-Aboriginal people some of the knowledge because they know the more of us, the more that we non-Indigenous people take the knowledge up, the more we learn to love the land, the sooner we'll stop trashing it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, huge mining corporations here have just got into a lot of trouble for deliberately blowing up 40,000-year-old Aboriginal sacred sites. This utter contempt at that level. Um, And that's just been the story since colonisation. So there's... There is a bit of a sea change just beginning where more and more Australians are beginning to respect nature, respect the land, understand that if we want it to nourish us, we have to nourish it back. And Indigenous people, Aboriginal people, are very helpful there. So what I can do, um, I would not pass on Aboriginal knowledge without permission from Aboriginal elders, but what I do in some of the little videos I make that I put on my Facebook page I'll acknowledge who the uh, traditional custodians of the land are wherever I am. Mm. And, um, yeah, if it's appropriate, you know, I, I, sometimes I'm actually sitting in an old um, camp where there's like millions of shells piled up next to a cave because that's where Aboriginal people live. So I always make sure that there's, you know, that's acknowledged. That's so beautiful, Alistair. And, and you know, I think that, 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 comment that you made there about you know learning to love the land again is such a key thing and and you know and you know your the work that you're doing i think is so vital in that respect because you know i i I know that that's a um you know it could be a criticism of nature therapy or ecotherapy or however you want to tame it that you know you know the world is you know, dying in front of us and, you know, what, what, what good is it to go around and appreciate it, you know? And, and for me, that seems like such a strange thing. And what, how I always respond to people is, is, well, you know, if, if, if we were able to love the land and feel a connection with the earth, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in to begin with. And it, it, it's that disconnection that, the human species has found itself in that's, you know, that's contributed to what's happening. So, you know, I think tuning into the, the wisdom, you know, of indigenous cultures of, of, you know, and as you say, of our own ancestors in, in the West as well, because, you know, the, the, this culture of destroying the earth has not been, you know, how it's been forever. And that's not been, you know, human history from day one. And, and it's so important to recognize that they're actually, we're, we're going back to the world's roots and humanity's roots when we do this. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I would, Steve. I, I just want to pick up on a couple of themes, actually. I think are very, very important here. And um, it's about being positive. So there are critiques of, you know, yeah, like you say, well, why should we walk around appreciating it? Well, it's 
being so destroyed. Well, appreciate it while you can, folks. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and the more people that appreciate it, the quicker we'll stop destroying it. So let the appreciation be contagious. That's what I hope everyone listening will do in some way or other. And we can all do it in a large or small scale. You don't have to become an ecotherapist, but um, I hope some people do actually. We need much more ecotherapy. So, um, you know, I just want to pick up on two things. One, the first one is the disconnect. This is very, very important. Even quite mainstream psychotherapists will say it's all about connection. Getting well and staying well is all about being connected to others in a healthy way and connected to self. Mm. And getting connected to nature is a really great way of doing that without having to overthink things. And importantly, without having to import external substances into our body, shall we say. So if you want to talk about indigenous people, there was a Native American elder early 20th century. I can't remember his name for sure, so I won't try and quote it. And he said, oh, this culture of the white man in, in, in North America, I, it's the aspirin culture. Every time you feel a pain, you kill it. And this modern culture has been less about connecting and more about slaving away and then medicating the pain of living a life that on some level of our personality, our being, we know is not really right. Mm-hmm. Whether that's wage slavery, stress, um, you know. So we come home, we try to de-stress in legitimate ways and, 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 and the advertising world knows we're stressed. So they want us to buy their stress relief, alcohol, chocolate, mm-hmm. television, gossip screens, playstations, mm. but those medications don't make us well. Now, I don't, in Scotland, um, I don't know how to date my statistics are, but back, you know, around 2011, one in seven human beings in Scotland were currently on antidepressants. That's not one in, in seven adults, one in seven people in the whole population. Wow. We're on antidepressant medication. Yeah, yeah I think it's doesn't make you better. Mm. Doesn't make you better. Manages the symptoms. Mm. Okay, never meant to be on it really long term unless there's some serious uh, illnesses there, psychosis, schizophrenia, other things. I won't go into the detail. Um, medication has its place, but it's almost constantly used now, and we disconnect, and we disconnect, and we disconnect. Okay, and then uh, all kinds of things happen. We have physical illnesses like obesity, knock-on effects of excessive drug, alcohol, tobacco use. We have domestic violence because people are unhappy and don't know what to do with that. And um, we have, uh, I don't know the latest UK stats, but I'm very concerned about the increasing suicide rates in Australia, Mm. particularly among um, 13 to 24-year-olds. Well, yeah. So it's oversimplistic to say it's simply nature disconnection. All I'll say is this is that nature connection and nature reconnection can do a lot for people, you know? Mm. So um, that's one thing. And getting back to our roots as humans, um, we've got to face up to it someday, folks, mm. that nature is the number one thing that keeps us well and keeping connected to it keeps us well 
and you just can't miss that out. So mm. healthy people, healthy planet, you cannot have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I just, you know, was not in agreement so enthusiastically with so much of what you were saying there, Alistair, you know, and, and it got me, it got me thinking, you know, was um, what would be a really, really nice thing to, to ask of you before we begin closing up the interview is um, to perhaps share one or two ecotherapy exercises that our listeners could try out for themselves. If there are any, um, you know, simple ecotherapy exercises that, the, that you would recommend people could try. Sure. Oh, let's do one right now. Okay. So whoever's listening, wherever you are, you can do this. Even if you're walking with your earphones in. All right. And as we do this together, just imagine that the optimum place to do it, is somewhere outdoors and relatively peaceful. That's the optimal place to do it. But, you know, if you've got a nice uh, big window that overlooks something fairly pleasant, you could do it there too. But you can do it even if you're sitting indoors at this moment. Let's just do it because it's, it still works. It just works best when we've got um, wild natural surroundings. So... Um, yeah, Steve, as you mentioned um, early on, that the breath is really important. And look, you know, we may feel a lot of things in the world are out of control. But one thing we do have control over if, we prepare, if we're prepared to exercise the consciousness and put the practice in is our breath. Mm. If we can master our breath, we can master the rest of our life. And I don't exaggerate. Mm. I absolutely stand by what I've said. Okay, so let's have a little taste of that now and we'll bring in um our, our senses as well so it's quite a really easy physical one um it can it can be as short as a few minutes and i recommend this every day every day okay and um it's not a lengthy thing it's not a difficult thing so you know it's easy enough to incorporate into life so wherever you are um if you can close your eyes please do so uh if you can sit down just um make sure both feet are on the ground and you're comfortable if you're lying down lucky you so just breathe in through your nose and gently out through your nose and don't take massive breaths and strain to hold them in make this a nice natural breath maybe a little deeper Gently into the bottom of your lungs and out again. Just feel what's happening. Can you feel muscles relaxing? Can you feel something changing inside you? Keep breathing in gently through the nose and out. Nice and regular, longer breaths than you normally take. That's it. So this is what it's like to begin to breathe with consciousness, in consciousness instead of unconsciousness. Keep that breathing going gently in through the nose, out through the nose. And now we can practice a little awareness. So just keep the breathing going as I talk. So I invite you to tune in to what you can hear right now. 360 degrees surround sound. Try and identify each sound, loud or soft, near or far. It's coming from. Here you go. You're probably a lot more aware of all the sounds than you were a minute ago. So 
So you can sit with that as long as you like. But for the purposes of this podcast, we'll move on to the sense of smell. It's a powerful sense. The olfactory nerves go right into our reptilian brain. It's a primal sense. Uh, hunting, surviving, identifying. Just breathe in gently through the nose and out through the nose. As you do, what aromas can you smell? You may be able to name them, you may not, but see if you can separate their identities and make a little list. The smells strong and subtle, near and far, known and unknown. Beautiful. We'll move on to the next sense. Again, you could do this for as long as you want. We'll just, just move on to the sense of taste. Closely connected to the sense of smell. Your tongue has many taste buds that pick up many things, sweet, sour, bitter, all kinds of stuff. Just let your tongue tell you what's there. This is a great thing if you're in an environment where you're safe enough to eat the wild foods. Oh, you can really riff on this one. But for now, we'll move on to the biggest organ in the body. The biggest organ is the skin. This is the sense of touch. So breathe in through the nose and out through the nose steadily. Keep that breath going. Your breath is your power. And just feel what your skin can feel. Some of your skin will be exposed to the open air. Some will be under clothes. Listen to this. So what does your skin feel? Start with the head. Go down all the way. Neck, shoulders, up, torso, pelvis, leg, feet, toes. Yeah, the whole thing. What do you feel? It's cool, isn't it? What do you feel inside? Muscles, organs. Do you feel pressure? Do you feel gravity? Pushing your feet, your backside, your body to the earth, keeping you grounded, holding you just right. Beautiful. Now, sense number five. Please keep your eyes closed for a minute. I'll talk you through this. In a minute, I'll ask you to open your eyes. And when you open your eyes, please don't move your head. Don't even move your eyes. Just keep your gaze straight ahead and I'll talk you through the next bit. After three, I'm going to count to three. Open our eyes. One, two, three. Open the eyes and stare straight ahead. Don't be tempted to look around. Don't get distracted. Just notice what is in the field of your vision. Notice how big the field of your vision is actually. You can stretch your arms out and wiggle your fingers until you can see the wiggling fingers of both hands. Yeah, that's how wide the periphery of your vision is. Very powerful. We work with that a lot when we're outdoors doing nature connection. Just be aware, see if you can keep that breathing going with open eyes and just look. And what's it like? What does your body feel like now? Does it feel different to how it did when we started this exercise? Now, if it does, that's because you're reconnecting with breath, reconnecting with the physical world around you and the energy of what's around you, and most importantly of all, reconnecting with yourself, your body, your mind, all those systems that keep you alive in this beautiful world. So do try this at home. That's it for the exercise. 
That was beautiful. Thank you, Alistair. Um, I would really, um, I, I would really um, stress to people as well how powerful this exercise can be. And what I love about it the most is that you can take it everywhere with you. You know, you're, you know, you, 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 you have your senses, but so often when we're stuck in our minds, we're, we're just not tuned into them, you know, and there's all these incredible, all this incredible life going on around us that, you know, it's so easy to forget it's actually there because we're so lost in our minds. And, and this exercise that Alistair has just shared um, is one that I found has, you know, really changed my life, actually. So I would just recommend that to people, especially when your mind is busy and, and life feels really stressful. Just take a couple of minutes to try that out. And of course, you know, you can do it for as long as you like as well. So thanks so much, Alistair. It was just um, really beautiful to hear you share that as well um, over the radio. Um, because the first time I ever tried this was with Alistair at his weekend in Edinburgh. So um, so yeah, really lovely for me as well to go back and, and, and hear you guiding on that. So thank you very much, and um, and yeah, just um, before we um, before we end, I suppose, um, would you let the listeners know, Alistair, where is um, the best place to find you online? Um, I will also post a link in the blog post on my web um, website as well at naturetherapyonline.net. But um, for anyone who's not listening through the website, where would be the best place to connect with you online? Great. Please head to uh, Prana Ecotherapy with Alistair Taylor. So Prana, capital P-R-A-N-A, and then Ecotherapy, and then my name, A-L-A-S-D-A-I-R, Taylor. But Prana Ecotherapy should get you there. That's on Facebook. And I regularly post beautiful pictures. It's been splendid lately because the wildflowers are coming out in Sydney. They're gorgeous. And you'll see a series of videos there on a really diverse range of themes about the challenges we face in life and how nature can help us move through them and, um, and be well and be really happy. That is lovely. And I would really recommend people go there as well. Um, Alistair has been posting some, some great videos also um, guiding, guiding you through different ecotherapy exercises that you can try at home. So, um, so yeah, get on Facebook, uh, Prana Ecotherapy with Alistair Taylor, and I will post the link on the blog. And, and, and that's us for this week. So I just want to say a huge thank you once again to you, Alistair, for giving us your time and, uh, and rushing home from, from work. We're kind of in quite, um, we're quite, quite different time zones here. So um, we, but I'm so glad that we've managed to make it work. So, so thanks again, Alistair. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you. You're very welcome, Steve. Um, enjoy the rest of your day and keep doing what you're doing, mate. Marvellous. Thanks a lot. And you too. Don't stop. Thanks a lot, Alistair. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Visit me online at naturetherapyonline.net.